0: Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Conversations on Care, our Facebook talk show, bringing together our healthcare partners, our clients, and their families, and their caregivers. Uh, We're all here uh, to talk about topics to help families better understand and cope with aging parents and family members with chronic care needs. My name is Julie Collada and I am the founder and president of Open Arms Solutions. Open Arms is a home care agency serving the Chicagoland area focused on inspired home care solutions for seniors with chronic conditions such as dementia, Parkinson's, and other movement disorders. It is truly our mission to help families through this journey and to know that their loved one is living their best life possible. If you find these dialogues and programs helpful, please give us a like and share so that we can reach more people who really would benefit from this information. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like to learn more about it, write them in the comments and we'll do our best to get them in our future program. Well, with me today is Dr. Jeremy Misselbrook, and I have been so looking forward to this program. Jeremy, I have some friends and many, many clients who are been looking forward to this program. It's mm-hmm. such, a, such an important topic. And Jeremy is a, Dr. Dr. Jeremy Misselbrook is a PhD and a professor and educator and nationally board certified chaplain with training and specialties such as mindfulness-based stress reduction and grief support. He currently serves as the manager of spiritual care and music therapy in the North and Northwest regions of Northwestern medicine in Illinois. And thank you so much, Jeremy, for taking time for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for the invite, Julie. It's really a privilege and an honor to be here today.
0: Thank you so much. So uh, our, our, our topic today We've never done anything like this on the program in the the almost two years that we've been doing this program. It's hard Mm -hmm. to believe that. And uh, I want to thank our own um, uh, team for suggesting this really important topic. Um, Tell us about your background and what was your journey and what set you on your path to become a chaplain and, and do this work?
1: well uh, thank you for that great question I have uh, it's it's like all of us I have uh, a varied experience and uh, lots of different experiences bring us to the point where we are uh, in in uh, to summarize it quite quickly um, I was brought to this profession I believe um, because I have an innate uh, connection with people I I feel uh, connected with people in their stories, and I love stories. And uh, as I was looking at my own story, I could just see uh, that I had a strong connection with my family. And then, as that connection developed, uh, and I was, you know, exposed to other uh, people in the world uh, through public broadcasting, <laughs> uh, through uh, uh, through just the community in which I in which I grew up, I found that I was, I was instilled with this sense of service for this sense of doing what I could to help the people around me. uh, As I continued to develop as a person, I had uh, strong um, leaders in my family. Uh, They were, they weren't really big about, you know, making a, a big fuss over themselves, but they had a lot of character and they showed me what it meant to serve your community and have that, that sense of servitude um, and service. And then I was also exposed to um, mentors and had uh, mentors in my life who brought me up uh, to use the skills that I had been given, which included, uh, among other things, um, the connection with people, sure, but also the ability to uh, form those connections with people that I didn't know. And so that was just developed over time. And long story short, uh, my um, my professional pursuits and my academic pursuits converged uh, and led me to being a, a professional chaplain where I do that work every day. I I connect with people that I know. I connect with people that I'm meeting for the first time in any various life situations, uh, including grief, and just form an, an opportunity to, to uh, make that connection stronger, help people to I have resources that they might not otherwise be aware of. And it also is a very fulfilling uh, aspect of my life. Uh, I have, um, you know, a a fantastic supportive team and um, just loving what I'm doing.
0: Well, you do amazing work. You and I talked a little bit about this before we went on air. And I told you about my experience with... um, People at a hospice team that, you know, amazing how they, their warmth, their generosity um, and their resources just help me and my family get through an amazingly challenging time. And when you experience that, and it sounds like you've had mentors, wonderful mentors in your life, and you, when you experience how they can affect people, um, it, it's incredibly uh, motivating to to want to be part of that, to be able to, to deliver that. So it sounds like that was your experience.
1: It Indeed it was. And specifically on the topic of, of grief and loss, we know that this can be experienced with many aspects of life. And anytime we lose um, anything that's important or anyone who's important or familiar to us, we tend to experience a lot of different emoti- emotions associated with that. And You know, for the purpose of our uh, interview today, I know that a lot of the context of uh, the comments that I will be sharing are around the context of grief associated with death, Uh, although this is something that can be applied in many forms of loss in our lives. But like many, um, my first experience with real grief and loss was the loss of family. And so, as I mentioned, I've worked. Uh, for many years, uh, over 30 years in various capacities uh, with people as a, as a minister, as an educator, uh, and as a chaplain. And this is something that we all experience at some point in life. And um, what we do with those experiences, how we let those experiences into our lives and shape us, and then how we in turn uh, communicate um, and help as we can the world around us and contribute to our community Uh, That's a a big part of of what it means to be human, to connect uh, with ourselves and with each other and uh, share these common experiences and and do some good for each other.
0: Yeah, that's very well said. Um, Yeah, and the longer you live, the more uh, you experience uh, grief in all sorts of different ways and and loss. Mm. And um, so... I will, I, will, I will say that I'm, I'm really, I know some of the things that we're gonna talk about this morning and I know that I'm really, really interested to discuss some of these things. Um, so let's start off with just a very general question, but I think really important. And what can you tell us about what to expect when experiencing grief? What, what does that feel, look, 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 look like? What, share, share that with us, please.
1: That's a great question. Um, what we, sh- we should really expect is to have an experience that while it may uh, connect thematically with what other people have experienced, it's still an experience that is unique and particular to us. Um, in 1969, uh, Elizabeth, Kubler-Ross wrote a very uh, important work on death and dying, and uh, sometime later, we also worked on a collaboration with on grief and grieving, uh, with David Kessler. And in her um, original work, she she uh, set out to define specific stages of grief, uh, and I'm sure many people might be familiar with this: denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance and then uh more recently um uh she began to co-author things with uh david co-auth- co-author works with david kessler uh and david kessler's actually added a sixth step called finding meaning and that's actually the name of one of his uh works and these ground breaking works essentially set a standard for conceptualizing the grief process and i'm afraid that they're sometimes misunderstood as Meaning uh, that these are clearly defined steps that everyone's going to go through and they will go through them in this order. Mm -hmm. And when you're finished with this stage, then you move on to the next and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just really not the case in my experience. Our experience of grief is very unique uh, to who we are. And as people share their grief experiences and as we reflect on our own experiences, we may notice some common themes Uh, like denial or like anger and so on. Um, But it's going to be uh, uh, a varied experience and a particular experience based on lots of things Um, like the relationship that we had with the person or uh, what kind of previous experience have we had with grief? Um, What was the circumstances surrounding the situation where uh, the person died? You know, there are just any number of things that make uh, the grief experience particular to us. Uh, For instance, not all who have lost parents experience grief in the same way uh, because the relationship with those parents might be different. Uh, Not all people who've lost children will experience it the same way. So there's so many particulars about the dynamics of the relationships um, that help form this unique experience when we are experiencing loss. And we will all likely experience loss and grief multiple times throughout our lives, Um, and each time will be unique in particular. It'll have its own uh, unique signature in our life. Brene Brown, in her uh, book Atlas of the Heart, has a wonderful section on grief, uh, which includes this quote from uh, author Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert, as you know, wrote Eat, eat, Pray, Love, and Big Magic, Mm -hmm. Um, and the quote goes, Grief does not obey your plans or your wishes. Grief will do whatever it wants to you whenever it wants to. In that regard, grief has a lot in common with love.
0: Mm, wow, well, well said. Well, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, so thank you for that reference. I'm going to look it up, and um, i I think that um, on that same, um, I think, uh, thought process, what can sometimes surprise us about grief?
1: Great question. Um, what we are feeling can sometimes surprise us. Why we are feeling it can certainly sometimes uh, surprise us. Um, when we're developing our self-awareness and mindfulness, and that's when we develop the ability to kind of reflect, well, first of all, realize what it is that we're feeling, uh, and sometimes even put a name to it. Um, that mindfulness helps us to, the focus isn't on the why we're feeling it. It's just, what are we feeling? So, so when you are experiencing grief and you're just feeling really tired, And then you finally realize, I'm feeling really tired. And you just sit with that for a moment and you reflect on it and realize that you're feeling tired. Then explore it. Be curious about it. Don't judge it um, or try not to judge it, I should say. And when we spend time noticing what we're feeling, we can then begin to be curious about why we're feeling that way. And you might be tired because you are really busy uh, with a lot of um, just the practical aspects of dealing with your grief. Um, For some people, there are a lot of, there's like a checklist of things that you have to do when someone that you're responsible for passes away or someone that you're taking care of. And so there's almost a, a delay of of some forms of grief because you have to attend to the business of it. Um, But then afterwards you're just exhausted and you're wondering, why am I exhausted? Well, be curious about it. Don't judge it. Just, Just think about it. And I feel that the more time you spend with that, you might find out why you're feeling that way. Same thing goes for sadness or anger. Uh, anxiety, you might be really happy and that the happiness might surprise you or the uh, being energized and really motivated to do something might surprise you. Um, And basically every emotion that you can have as a person, you probably will have. Uh, And sometimes the emotion can surprise you. Don't judge it. I just want to encourage you to explore that, be curious about it and realize that that is what it means to have a, a normal experience with grief is to feel lots of different things.
0: Well, you just, um, you mentioned, you know, how, how do you know you're feeling grief? How do you know what I'm, you know, what you're feeling is grief? You just said there's lots of different emotions, but. Oh, sure. You find uh, people sometimes question, say, to you, I'm not sure I'm grieving right now. I know I should be grieving, but I'm not sure I am
1: well I then I would my question to that would be uh, why do you think you're not grieving um, and it's usually because we're we're judging the emotion we're having as not being appropriate for grief because you know grief means being sad well, yeah, it can be it can also mean being angry it can also mean having a hard time feeling anything just being numb um. Try not to judge that uh, in yourself, and just realize that if you are reflecting at all, if you're asking the question, am I grieving or should I be grieving or why am I not grieving, then you're grieving. Uh, You you just have to accept the different uh, emotions, feelings and thoughts that you're having as being part of that process. And as I've mentioned, grief is a unique experience in so many ways. Um, And the measures of grief, are likewise particular to the person in the circumstances. There's no, you know, if you're feeling this, then you're grieving kind of cheat sheet somewhere. Um, and there's actually debate among mental health professionals about timelines associated with grief experiences. For instance, how long is too long? Uh, when should we expect for things to return back to normal? Um, and when we set up timeline param- parameters for our grief, um, which is a normal process for some people because there are some people who who their uh, their go-to is being a checklist kind of person and they feel like you know they want to be very organized and this is what I should be feeling and so on. If that brings you comfort, if that gives you structure to your life, more power to you. Um, because it's essentially another attempt to to try to um, understand and connect with the experience that you're having and the things that you're feeling. So that's that's perfectly normal. Uh, if we really make it very strict as to the timeline we have to follow for certain aspects of grief, or if we impose that timeline on someone else, that usually just makes things more complicated. Um, there are lots of healthy goals that we can set if we're, if we're concerned about, uh, am, I, am I grieving too long or, or what should I do about this? And the healthy goals consistent with a healthy lifestyle are the same healthy goals that are consistent at any time of your life. Um, so that talks about, you know, physical uh, well-being, uh, mental well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being. If, mm-hmm. if uh, you're a person who uh, practices spirituality and just creating or returning back to a healthy lifestyle does not mean that your grief is over. Um, it just means you're processing it in this particular phase right now. And if you, or those you feel that, uh, that you trust, um, if, if they feel that you're exhibiting unhealthy traits, uh, and again, these are people that you would trust, mm-hmm. or if you feel like you're having, uh, you're living unhealthy, uh, lifestyle traits in association with uh, grief, um, or you're having unhealthy thoughts, then, then it's very likely that, you need to tap into the resources that you have to get some help. And, and that includes professional help possibly. So I want to encourage people to do that. Um, and at the same time, not judge themselves as being weak or weird or odd for feeling that because we all experience grief in a variety of different ways. And it just gets a little more tricky when you try to, you know, connect it to a firm timeline. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yes, it makes so much sense. There's a viewer question, so I going to make sure we get to that. Hmm. What is the hardest stage of grief? Hmm.
1: The, the reason that I'm, I'm pausing is I I can't answer that question, really. Um, there are different stages of, of grief. There are you know, when you feel grief very acutely, when it's like a very sudden shock, yeah. um, that can be can be very hard. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's always necessarily the hardest stage, um, because some people who have you know complicated grief that lasts a really long time, um, and I'm sorry I'm being vague about this, but but again, grief is such a particular and unique experience that I can't judge which. Yeah. Uh, part of grief is going to be hard for anyone else, um,
0: and that's consistent with your what we've been talking about yeah. in this conversation. So I, I, it, it's um, you know I think people, this viewer, is looking for a concrete answer to a very uh, something that's not concrete and is very mm. individual. Uh, you know, one thing I think about, I've recently lost some incredibly dear people, uh, dear friends, and you know you wanna. What what advice would you give people, um, families and friends, when they ask someone who's just lost someone who's dear to them? Hmm. You know, how can I help? I have I have some a, a dear dear friend who recently lost and a, a dear dear her husband and dear friend, and it's like how do you what do you say? How do you, you know, I.
1: That's that's what a great are, question.
0: What are your What are your thoughts on that? Because you want to help, right? Of course, you love this person. You of course, love and them. that's
1: amazing. That's amazing. I, I love to hear that because um, I feel that people are often so afraid of saying the wrong thing uh, that they sometimes shy away from uh, those who are experiencing grief uh, when somewhere in their heart they're still feeling this pull to I should be doing something. I and then they go and they spend time with that person and they feel awkward or anxious in those circumstances. And and uh, what should you say to someone who is experiencing, or I'm sorry, what should you say to someone who uh, wants to help and comes to you and says, I'm really sorry that this happened. I would do anything for you. What can I do to help? Just say, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here
0: you're saying to the person who lost someone say, yeah. thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. for being there. Well, no, I, I mean, if you're the friend or the family member who is coming to the person who's grieving mm-hmm. and, uh, and that, and they say, you know, what can I do to help? And the person who's grieving, yes. Uh, would say, just, just say, thank you for being here. And if you are the person who is offering your help, then sometimes you don't say anything you just come and you be there. Um, People don't know what to do. Uh, If you're there as a family or a friend, then you've experienced a loss as well. So you're going to be feeling and experiencing grief too. And sometimes people say a lot of things trying to, you know, trying to help. Um, And sometimes they say things that comfort us and sometimes they don't. But uh, Maya Angelou's a famous quote is people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget Mm -hmm. how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. So when people come to you and you're experiencing grief and they ask, you know, what can I do to help just be with me?
0: Yeah. And I think, yes, that's, that's a lovely quote. And uh, Um,
1: actually I, I, Michael Lewis uh, some of you may know him. Uh, he's a best-selling author. He wrote uh, *Moneyball* and uh, *The Big Short*, and his books were turned into movies. Um, he tragically lost his uh, young daughter uh, a few years ago in a, in a car crash, and he says that you know people, of course, tried to connect with him, and and other people who would lost children tried to connect with him, and um, and again. He, he was experiencing grief as something very particular to him. And he said that the most emotional moments came when people just showed up and showed their love by their presence. And that for him, the it was the love of community and the love of friends mm-hmm. uh, because people want love, even if they, if they don't realize it, it was um, that that helped him more than anything that anybody
0: said. Lovely. And that, that, I can appreciate that so much. Um, there's a viewer question. Okay. Any thoughts on the benefits of prolonged grief disorder being a new diagnosis recognized by medical professionals? I wasn't aware of that.
1: Great question. Uh, yeah, that is in, uh, my understanding, it's in the most uh, recent version of, uh, the DSM. Um,
0: what's the dsm for viewers uh,
1: that's that's the uh diagnostic book that categorizes all forms of of um mental health diagnoses for mental health professionals i'm not a uh counselor or a a medical or a clinical uh therapist or anything so so i can i know that it's in there (laughs) Uh, but I, you know, certainly wouldn't be offering any diagnoses of it. And uh, well, first of all, I I also uh, know that it's not, it's not recognized as a a helpful, um, as a helpful diagnosis by all medical, uh, mental health professionals. In fact, that's what I was kind of referring to when I was talking about the timelines, because, you know, someone says that it's, not healthy to experience grief beyond a year or that it's not healthy to, you know, in some circumstances, it's not healthy to experience grief beyond six months and other circumstances and so on. And those are arbitrary timelines in many regards, I think. So uh, when we, again, see our grief as something that's particular and unique to us, uh, we should work with uh, professionals that can help us to, to live healthy lifestyles with our grief, uh, but doing things like putting labels on it is not uh, not always helpful in my opinion.
0: Yeah uh, I appreciate that answer mm-hmm. And th- that's the first I'd ever heard of that um, uh, diagnosis so that's interesting. Um, what are what are some things that happen what uh, what are some of the things that you might talk about with someone during grief counseling? What do you think um, about grief counseling? What, what, how, what might that look like?
1: When I am uh, working with someone or trying to offer assistance in a situation that involves grief and loss, uh, I try to be present for the person, uh, physically present when I can be, and always try to be mindfully present as well and be mindful. Um, because, again, I think a lot of people uh, just want to feel that they're not alone. And they want to feel connection with someone. So when I'm offering assistance, I listen. Um, I may ask a question or two. um, But basically, I just want them to know that I'm there with them. And I'm willing to listen with them and uh, listen to them. And if they don't want to talk, to just be with them. And let them know realistically that they're not alone. And uh, that they have a resource available if they want.
0: I'm Sure. That is important. Um, and, you know, I, we've talked about this already, but I, you know, I hit it again. I have a dear friend that said, I, 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 I don't know if what I'm feeling is normal. You know, I remember she described that she was kind of in a fog hmm. and she said, I don't know if this is normal. I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, of
1: course I know. it is. And yeah. that's the answer. If you're right. feeling it, it's normal.
0: It's normal. I think, thank you for saying that. I wanted everyone to hear that. I mean, we, we, we've said it kind of different ways today, this morning, Mm but it's, um, people will feel all sorts of different things. I remember when my father passed away, I didn't, and I was very, very close to my father and it was very sudden and I, I didn't cry for weeks. I couldn't, and I'm like thinking to myself, this, I don't know that this is normal. I, you know, I, I think. I don't understand why I'm doing this. And it does, this doesn't feel normal for me. There was just this processing I had to do before I could let go. Mm -hmm. But that's just, you know, that's the discovery you do yourself and it is truly an individual journey. It Um, is,
1: it is. And the greatest thing we can do is be curious about it and not judge it. Yeah. To just be mindful with it and experience it and let it be. And, um, and realize that again, it's a unique and particular experience for us that will impact us for sure. Um, and again, if there are healthy there are healthy things we can do for our lives uh, to to uh, and we can set goals for ourselves, that's all great. Um, just remember that if you're feeling it, it's normal for you.
0: Thank you for saying that. Well said. Uh, we're really coming up against the the end of the program, but just the last important program is, can you, uh, or question rather is what, what kind of resources are available to help?
1: Well, for, for persons who are experiencing grief, um, again, there are are probably already people and resources in your own network of people. And that's always a great place to start. If you have established relationships with a therapist or uh, you work with people in, uh, in the, in the course of Of circumstances, Um, you work with people in a medical setting. There are social workers and chaplains that you can reach out to. Um, Just, my first piece of advice would always be turn to the community in your life that you can trust. There are also uh, clinical counseling resources, national and local support groups, Um, and just try resources out. Uh, Of course, there are tons of books and articles. Uh, Try try things out. If you don't find them to be helpful, don't give up. Uh, just keep looking uh, because there is something out there that will at least help you uh, receive some level of comfort and assistance.
0: Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, thank you for being on our program and for all the important work you do. I'm sure you are an incredible source of uh, comfort to so many people. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, my honor.